What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Recording this on Sunday morning. We like, you know, it's the draft. We got to get, we'll get something out for Sunday afternoon, Monday, Monday morning for the people after, you know, everyone was so locked in Saturday, John, to the uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. And the I, I, I think uh, the Haberman and Milkoff podcast lives, and I repeat, lives to argue with people about the lack of importance of Saturday. <laughs> it's so great. And I don't think we're saying it doesn't matter to the teams. We're saying it's such a crapshoot. Like the GMs are doing interviews during these rounds. Like, I, I don't, I'm, I, yeah. I, well, when if, you are if, not, if you were locked in on Saturday, then thank you. God, you're the one that listens to all 90 minutes of this podcast every week, three times I, a I wrote, week. I wrote an athletic <laughs> column Yesterday, on yeah. Saturday, came out this morning, and I always reply to the comments. Mm-hmm. And I got a couple like, there is not enough breakdown of the six-round picks. Like, hey, I'm sorry. When it comes to the 49ers, who drafted second in the first several rounds, their draft is predicated success or failure on Bosa and Debo, not fucking the tight end from Stanford, that at any moment, Let's say hypothetically he's a bad example because more than likely he's got his shit together. If they are late to an OTA, they can be cut. There is zero financial obligation to anyone past about pick 200, really, once you get in the fifth round. So those guys aren't guaranteed to be on the team. And here's the other thing, guy. Every year we see undrafted free agents by about second preseason game. Like, this guy's going to beat out the draft pick. So it's pointless to even pretend to know like, there's a reason every team passed on, like, we get pro bowlers out of the fifth round. Yeah, every team in the league passed on George Kittle like six, five times. No one had any clue he was going to be this good. So, yeah, I'll talk about George Kittle once he becomes good, but I'm not wasting time breaking down how good George Kittle will be because most times George Kittles get cut and disappear and are working in insurance by 25. Yeah, to be clear then, the fifth round to the ham pod is equal to punning film to Kyle Shanahan. It just yes. doesn't, 
I, only under threat of death will uh, we lock in on that. Um, well, I, I remember Lewis used to be big on this, and we were big on this in Philly. And b- by the way, this is coming from you, somebody who you like. You made your like the guys that you love. Like that's in the fifth round. That's when they got drafted but, when you but, were scouting the sixth. Yeah, the but but I didn't. Uh, but I always thought that it was like. That's why I was never meant to be a long-term scout. I cared more. Can we get the first, second, and third rounders right? Like, it's cool to land a Richard Sherman late in the draft, but as we see, like, we can get Tom Brady in the sixth round. There's been one fucking Tom Brady in the history of sports. You know, it's like, how often the NBA draft's not far away? Every good defensive player that's a second— This guy's got a little Draymond Green. He's not fucking Draymond Green! You know, he's not! So, yeah, there are going to be some sweet players in five years that came out of these late-round draft picks, but no one, including the teams that drafted these guys, have any fucking clue who they will be. So <laughs> I just I, – I, Nick Bosa's got to be a pro bowler. If he's not, the draft is a disaster. Uh, all right, we'll get into that. By the way, like I, did I say this? We're doing this before the Warrior game. If something crazy happens in the Warrior game, then, then we'll come back with more. Um, although I'm – I just saw Austin Rivers is out. He's sick. Hmm. Clay and Steph have bad ankles. Yeah. Uh, do, how about the uh, the who was the sideline reporter? Was it Doris Burke? No. Who was it the other day for the Warriors game six Clippers? Uh, that game would have. I got no. Lisa clue. Salters. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't. I don't remember. I just remember the report. Like after Steph turned the ankle, it was like I spoke with Warriors PR, and all they would say is, all they would give me is Steph and Draymond are back there stretching. <laughs> I don't. I don't. For whatever reason, like remember when Lisa Salters had her ear to the door, hearing Draymond scream at Steve Kerr at halftime of the like that. Well, remember she wasn't. It was like she was in the hall. He was so loud because they were screaming. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying she was back there. Like that. Yeah. Now that's that's going to get it. That's going to get the story. Uh, all right, and we'll get to Niners, Raiders, other draft stuff. This podcast is brought to you by. We got some sponsors to tell you about. Go support. And these are easy to support because I got, I got, uh, I've got them in my closet and in my fridge and on my head. Uh, Sherry's berries, John. Sherry's berries. Mother's Day is uh, quickly approaching, very quickly approaching. And uh, what are we? Less than two weeks away now. And I know what my mom's getting for Mother's Day, and that is Sherry's berries. I know what your mom already got for Mother's Day. And already sent it to her yeah. guy. We've been talking about Sherry's berries for a long time. Guy, Sherry's uh, berries has the special Mother's Day berries designed just for mom that are topped with chocolate chips, pink shimmer sugar, and swizzles. Oh, yeah, I got the pink shimmer sugar. It's very good. How, how do you beat that? Describe how much these gourmet goodies, would they, they would be so special for your mom. I, I am describing because they are <laughs> legit. You choose your delivery date, guy. My mom got them, I think, last week. Yeah. Uh, I know they were delivered to your house. You're not the greatest son. Could have sent them to your mom. I, but I, you, you do have a wife, so. No, but John, I'm going to spend my own money to send it to mom. I'm not taking the freebie and sending it to mom. Like, I, you got you, you got the thanks, John. I love you for the freebie one. Yeah, but uh, I, I've already Which used it. Uh, I'll use it again. Yeah, I'm, right. no, I'm no dummy. <laughs> so, guy, don't wait until the last minute on this one. Visit berries.com today. To order your freshly dipped strawberries starting at nineteen ninety nine mm-hmm. for the moms in your life. That's right. Uh, make mom really happy. You can double the berries for just ten dollars more. I got the double berry. You got your mom got the double berry. Uh, and it's fantastic. Mother's Day is Sunday, May twelfth. So this is two weeks you got, and it's so easy to get online and do it. You just go to berries.com. 
That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Enter our code HAM. Do it right now. It'll be done with. You won't have to worry about it. There won't be any last-minute stuff. That's berries.com. Click the microphone. Use the code HAM. Done. Okay? This podcast also brought to you by Untuck It. Back. I wore Untuck It uh, Friday, John. More on Tucker Show on Friday. I was looking Where'd good. Where'd you go after, after dinner? Feeling or good. Just wearing it. No, I was just wearing it around. I didn't go anywhere. I was just wearing it around that day. Uh, but I could have worn it. I have worn it to dinner. Untuck it shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Very simple. The brand you've been looking for. A modern solution to the old problem with no tucking or tailoring required. You're not going to look sloppy. You're going to look good. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you wear an untuck it shirt. And then you try – I went on a, out with this girl like a couple weeks ago, and I wore a different kind of shirt, like a normal shirt that's obviously way longer. Yes. You're like, God, this feels a little uncomfortable. Yes, you feel Once like you're you go wearing untuck a dress. It, it, yeah, and the perfect length. These guys that untuck it are freaking geniuses because you just – it just feels right, guy. I don't know how else to describe it. I got multiple untuck it shirts. You got multiple untuck it shirts. When you put it on, you're going casual, but the shirts are nice, so it can be a little nicer than casual. You can roll up the sleeves, be ready to roll. To me, it's just the length is absolutely perfect. It's unbeatable. And I'm into like the fabrics, the cloth, John. So I've done some cloth research over the the last many years, and these are high quality fabrics. Uh, and also, they got the uh, the brick and mortar store. I know right on Union Street. If you guys want to go into a an untuck it, uh, you can try on person there. They got 50 stores around the country. Or go just go to untuckit.com to get started. Uh, free shipping, free returns, every U.S. order. Save 20% on your first order. Use the code HAM at checkout. That's untuckit.com, promo code HAM. And this podcast brought to you by Metal Cough Hair Club. I saw a photo. This is my favorite annual photo of you at the Eagles draft, your last Eagles draft, with the lettuce. With the lettuce. And you looked like you were going to tell the commissioner to draft Danny Watkins, and you believed it when you said it because you had the confidence of a great a great head of hair. You know the irony guy of my hair is when I used to get my hair cut, I used to use the uh, I don't know what they were called, like the shredders, to thin out the top of my oh, hair because yeah, yeah, yeah. my lettuce was so thick and yeah. I wanted to spike it up. And oh, I used to have them thin it, guy. I did. But I, you know what, guy? Hmm. I have been thinking, and we we had a phone call with Hair Club a couple weeks ago. And it's been in the back of my mind. I, I like being bald, but there was a point in time when I was really insecure about it. I did not want to lose my hair. The hair club offers the ability to basically, you know, get your hair back. They have different procedures. We'll talk a little bit more about it. I've been thinking about making a comeback. I have not ruled it out a- a- at all. Yeah, that was the one thing talking to them is how many different options there are for different people, men and women. It's not just men, obviously. Um, so any women out there listening or or men with women who might want to consider the different options. Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions. Um, obviously, you, you know the name, a legacy of success over 40 years, but uh, very uh, modern, up-to-date, and uh, a variety of options at Hair Club. So uh, here's what you do. You go to hairclub.com slash ham for a free hair health and scalp analysis to new customers. Enjoy $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after your initial consultation. That's hairclub.com, guy. Hairclub.com slash ham for a free health and scalp analysis and enjoy a $250 savings 
on a qualifying hair club service after your initial consultation. Here's the key for us. Just go to hairclub.com slash ham and just sign up. If you're thinking about it, just sign up. You get a free consultation. Go from there. Hairclub.com slash ham. All right. Very good. And we appreciate everybody being on the podcast. And as always, uh, we should say uh, we appreciate you guys supporting the podcast via our sponsors. That's uh, Yeah, go that's sign great. up. Haberman's you know, new Mercedes <laughs> is not cheap. Come on. No, I was thinking of going classic Mercedes this time, John. Something a little Okay. Old. Uh, I went to a play with my sister yesterday in the city. Where? At the, it's called the Curran is the uh, is the uh, theater. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, like before the thing starts, uh, like Lar- a Broadway type play. Is that- yeah? Well, I guess it's like a pretty famous off Broadway. It's called uh, the Jungle. It's not on my radar, but my sister does these things, and she's it's like, hey, I'm coming to the city. I got two tickets. You want to go? I'm like, I got nothing else going on. Sure. Um, I'm like, it's the fifth round of the draft. What am I doing? So I went with her. It was like in the afternoon. And then all of a sudden, Lars Ulrich and his family walk in. Yeah. From Metallica. Yeah. And uh, and we so when we left, you know, it's downtown San Francisco. You like, should have been like, I love Napster. <laughs> there was, you know, downtown San Francisco, you just can't park on the street. Like on a Sunday or Saturday. It's impossible. Zero chance. Yeah. There's one Mercedes G-Wagon parked in like the temporary parking right in front of the theater. And I'm like, that's 100% that was his car, right? Like he gets to say, I'm coming. I'm just leaving my G-Wagon parked on the curb for three hours. Right? Uh, yeah. Had to be. Was it him? I don't know. We left before he got in. Whoever got in the car got in the car. But I was just thinking. Probably him or Gavin. (laughs) Gavin Maloof. In fairness, I despise like yesterday. I went to pick up some food at this place called uh, California Fish Kitchen. It's actually basically like Chipotle of fish. It's pretty good. Wow. They got healthy, kind of healthy meals. Yeah. But the parking spot. The parking lot was so crazy. The only spot I could find was like places where you park, uh, like Tesla type, co- you know, just any to electric type yeah. cars. So I parked in there, and I got a couple funny looks when I left. But it's like, hey, like I, I'm sorry. What, what do you want me to do? You know, There's you know no what? To park, I got a call in order. Fuck you. You know what the market inefficiency, John, is having a fake plug in, just like a, get a, a yard hose with like a plug in handle that fits in that thing. And Not a just, terrible idea. You just run it like under your under the tire of your Chevy Tahoe, and you just pretend. Yeah, you know, plug, of, yeah, it's a, it's an '09 plug-in Tahoe. What, a lot of judgment around here, guy, but it's it's a war zone when it comes to parking. Yeah, so hey, it's not like I parked in a handicapped spot, dicks. I'd be lying if I said I've never had before. But oh, I God. only do it on. Who call did that? Over. Kwame was it? Kwame Brown that did that? Who did that a few years ago? <laughs> Probably wasn't Kwame. it Kwame. I feel like Jordan fucked him up though mentally. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm blaming Mike on that one. Uh, speaking of drafting players and then making them develop, let's get into the draft, Middlecoff. A lot to get to. Who you want to start? Where you want to start? Because I got to tell you, I'm pretty fired up off the Mayock presser this morning. Um, but I think the sec- like this news of the second round from the Niners' perspective. When's the last time we talked? Friday? So we talked about the first round. We talked right? about the first round, right? So we start with the second round. So let's start. Let's let's start. By the way, Byron Murphy went top of the second round, like that pick, Arizona. But let's start with Debo Samuel because the second round, by the end of the second round, became a wide receiver round. But one guy, got, one wide receiver, got drafted ahead of all the rest of the wide receivers in the second round, and that was Debo Samuel. Okay, he went 15 spots ahead of the next receiver. And after AJ Brown went to Tennessee at 19, 
Hardman went to Kansas City at 24. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside went to Philly at 25. Paris Campbell went to the Colts at 27. Andy Isabella from UMass went to Arizona at 30. D.K. Samuel went to Seattle at 32. So the Niners were saying, we think this guy, not only is he better than the rest of these receivers, but he's 50, he's much better than the rest of these wide receivers. Well, the, the round started with the Raiders and Niners drafting back-to-back. Then the Raiders trade back. So I'm like, damn. Right. Because clearly the Raiders, once Byron Murphy went, the Raiders are not going to take a wide receiver. Byron Murphy and then the other corner went, right? The story was yeah, Yach, like, I can't even say his name, but yeah, to the Colts. The, so then you went. Name. So then it was pretty clear once the Colts didn't go wide receiver, the Niners were going to kind of get their pick of the litter. Now, last time we talked, I wasn't the biggest. I liked Hollywood Brown, but the Niners don't need Hollywood Brown. If Nikhil Harry had not been drafted by the Colt, or excuse me, Bill, Nikhil Harry might be there for them. Now, maybe the Colts take him. Who knows? But I, I think that like Joey Bosa, or Nick Bosa, they're just going, this was our top-rated guy, Nick, given Nick, the crop, Nick, 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 given Nick, the crop Nick, of Nick, these Nick, guys. Nick. Yeah, we just got to say Nick. You, you don't usually have a problem with it. but I, I like Debo Samuel, and a lot of people seem to like him. Uh, bottom line to me for the Niners and Debo is he's got to be good. Like, cause he's going to be compared to all these guys Our Sega Whiteside, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. I think most people view those guys, at least just casually talking. You could make the argument. Those guys were better. They took D- the Debo. The one thing I like about Debo for a team that is full of fucking soft guys, Marquise Brown gets hurt easily. The uh, Pettis always gets hurt. Debo, he's an injury-prone guy, but he's a tough guy. Like, he's actually hurt. Good one, Marquise, like, good one. Marquis, this guy's a physical fucking football player. I, I saw that uh, the Raiders tweeted out a video. Raider fans are going to be pissed. And it was uh, Dabo at the Senior Bowl talking about the players that were there. Yeah. And the players he was talking about were, clear, you know, just some of the players. Yeah. At the end, they said, is there anyone at this game – that you're glad you're not going to have to see anymore. And he's like, well, I just got here, but I did walk out to the field next to Debo. And he's like, God, I'm – and obviously South Carolina and Clemson, I mean, that's the rivals. And he's like, I don't have to play the guy anymore. So and our buddy Mark Packer, who lives in that area, tweeted me yesterday like the guy's a baller. So I – and they had – here's the other thing, guy. They had Debo in the senior bowl. Like he was on their team. So I – I give you less room for error when you got to spend a week with him. On top of you already liking the guy. Yeah, I think the other thing that adds pressure, I mean, I don't know if he knows, but just it's not necessarily on him, but just on that pick, is just that like, we know you're looking for a number one and a number two receiver, right? Like At this point, how do you view Dante Pettis as a number three receiver? Well, you take two guys in the second round, they better eventually be like your two and three at worst case. Yeah, like that's my like this can't be redundant. Like two guys, it, we can't look back at here and go like, oh, you got two complementary receivers. Like not number two complements a one, but a couple of number three guys, right? Like that's where the pressure comes in, and it stays there on Dante. Like he's this guy's got to be to me better than Dante Pettis. Well, Dante was drafted, I think, pick forty one last year. But you you know what I'm saying though like he can't be as good as Dante you already have that you don't need that you need a guy better than Dante Pettis I, I think they would or do argue, you think Dante we don't can... know how we don't know how good Dante Pettis okay. is what do you think 
well, I, I lean the fucking dude that's been making plays in the SEC, and I think he's got. I'm just saying, like, do you think yeah. he needs to be better than Dante Pettis, or is as good as Dante Pettis? Good I enough? think this guy is a better receiver than Dante Pettis. So yeah, I think he should be a better player. I think at the end of the day, Debo Samuel is good enough to be a legitimate number two wide receiver. And I think Dante Pettis, in a perfect role, is your number three wide receiver slash punt returner. They don't have the Julio version. Now, the one thing I think Kyle would tell you, well, we got George Kittle, who's a baller. We got multiple running backs in, what's his name, coming back from the ACL injury, McKinnon and Tevin Coleman, who we can throw the ball to. So we can go a little more strength in numbers. Like, that's just because we don't have the alpha. One thing... Would you trade like? Would you trade like next year's second? Now they don't have next year's second rounder, but like in theory for like AJ Green during training camp or something. Like I would still be open to do something like that. Yeah, I, I think. Would you what, tra- would you trade in training camp if the Falcons were like, give us your next year's one for Julio? Yeah. I don't know if the I, from talking to people with the Niners, you don't think Kyle would do it. The one thing I think that's left them gave them pause with Julio is given what you have to pay, which that is what you'd have to pay, is that you're drafting a a guy that's nine years in who's had some injury problems, and there's a decent chance. Like, his best football is behind him. So you're overpaying for something that's not going to get better. Like, you you could justify, is that a smart move, you know? Um, When we're not really a player away. My hope would be that you're you're trading your... You know, you're trading the 18th pick, not the fourth pick, right? But I, I think if you're trading the 18th pick, they would say, well, I'd rather take the flyer on, like, the Odell Beckham version that's 25, 26 that's ascending mm-hmm. than a guy that's 31 years old and has a ton of tread on his tires. I, I, I'm i not arguing that Julio is not elite. My thing is, in the NFL – like in the NBA, the equivalent, you would trade the first-round pick for Kevin Durant or whatever, that they're 30 years old. In the NFL, that number, that 30 number, when you've been in the league since you were 21, is is really more like 34, 35, right? Led the league in yards last year. But if you trade a one, like, you can't just have one sweet season. You need to get, like, three or four to really feel good about it, is my point. So right. you would need him playing at a, high, at a Pro Bowl level into his mid-30s. Played 16 games the last two years. Yeah, I mean, he's. There's a chance that they wouldn't even do that. The Falcons. Uh, you know, I think the Falcons are going to try to win this year. <laughs> as they should, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they look at themselves <clears throat> like they're pretty good. Um, the uh, what's his? Oh, you know, when we talked Thursday, we talked about should the Niners just take the best pass catcher, tight end, or wide receiver? So I ju- I just think t- to address that too. Should mention so Debo goes fourth in the second round. The next tight end was Irv Smith, who went 18, and he went so that's one spot ahead of AJ Brown. So in fact, not only did Debo Samuel go ahead of all those other wide receivers, but the two tight ends in that round, Irv Smith and Drew Sample from Washington, went they bookended AJ Brown. So did you actually, know a lot about Drew Sample? I feel like he hadn't been on my radar. Yeah, I mean he just been big guy catches some passes. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd seen was them. it more just their I'd passing the, game wasn't great. Probably, and I think they had other receipt. Like they do have some guys that can catch the football. They're not necessarily big guys, but the guys got they got guys that can catch the football. Did he um, have a good combine? Like run fast? Well, I know, I know that he. I was a little surprised when I saw him 
last week on DJ's. Like he was higher than I realized he was. Like in DJ Daniels' big board. Well, he's six five, two fifty. He ran a four seven. So yeah, I mean he's a big body that can move thirty three inch vertical. Like that's just his his athletic profile is second third round. Power five. Pro- now Zerline had draft projection four. The other thing was he had had a bunch of injuries too. Like he's <clears throat> like he was a four year player who I think last year was healthy for the first time. He'd been hurt. Like maybe he would have come out as a junior. I don't know if he hadn't been hurt. Based so on he had so he had good early season early career numbers, but he was also playing with John Ross and Dante Pettis, so he could you couldn't double team him, right? But that's like hey, in the NFL, right? Like I, I don't like this thing where it's like, well, he had a, he was on a good team, he was on, you know he had other talented guys around him. Well, yeah, like in theory, in the NFL, there's they're all the most talented guys, and you should have talented guys around you too, right? Well, I, I think when you're looking at it from a college perspective, so you go, let's use Debo Samuel. Well, when you're evaluating a guy in the SEC or Josh Allen or whoever on a team that's not Alabama or whatever and only has like three or four elite players, not 15. You go, this guy really stands out. Where sometimes I think when you do Alabama, I think SC used to be evaluated like this, like Miami back in the day. How good truly is this guy if he was just, if you put him on like Fresno State? Would he look like Ryan Matthews? You know? Would he look like, like, because when you're at a smaller program, even in a Power Five, like if you go to Oregon State, remember when Brandon Cooks was coming out, like, Jesus Christ, this motherfucker's good. You know, I think you can really shine at a power five, like at Iowa State. You know, the Iowa State running back, I think, went in the third round of the Bears. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just dominate at the power five program against the other power five programs that are better than you, I find that an easier eval than sometimes a guy at Alabama, besides, like, their top, top guy, like Quentin Williams. Like, Josh Jacobs. Like, well, how many first round and second round offensive linemen he's playing with? The, all the receivers. But isn't that an example like you watch him with two other really good running backs and thought like, ah, he look, when I see that guy, he looks the best of the three. Can it help yeah, him in that but, way or no? Yeah, th- that helps. But how good, like is Damian Williams, like is that guy going to end up just being like a backup? Yeah. You know, how good is the crop? Nigel and then you And then you got to be able to do this. And this is what you have to be able to do in a draft room. Well, they're not, none of the other offensive guys are drafted. Well, you go, well, the three wide receivers, check the 2020 mock. You got two of them going in the first round. Like, they got Jerry two Judy. Amaris. Yeah, and the, some other guy, I think his name starts with an M. Did, uh, did, uh... And Irv Smith, so you go, well, fuck. Did the they other, did, did Ridley get drafted? Calvin's brother? Yeah. Yeah, the Bears got him in the fourth round. Okay, I see you. I, and I just... That that's one. And I heard DJ talking about it. I think the really, really high-end schools sometimes get difficult because you're like, well, it, when you were nitpicking like the Georgia wide receivers, well, they had Evander Holyfield's son and the other running back they got, I, I forget his name, but it was a sophomore, was a badass. Like they are a run-first team. Now this year maybe they are a little more like pass-happy with Jake Fromm, so it'll, it'll be easier to evaluate their players. But just, it's hard. I mean, that's what this is not an inexact science. And maybe I'm wrong on every point I just had. It is. Like maybe at the end of the day, this is what I know about Debo. Every week he's playing SEC teams. His team is not that good. Uh, 
just talent-wise relative, and he was their best player. And, like, when you talk to Dabo or you talk to Will Muschamp or you talk to any of these guys, the first name that comes up is Debo. So you go, okay, I kind of like that. You know what's funny is I've always kind of thought of him as a Clemson player for some reason. Debo. Yeah. I also think I give you less margin for error when you get to coach the senior bowl and coach the player. Like, that's pretty unique insight. If your wide receiver going like, well, God, apparently, I <laughs> Apparently, you know? like coaching against the guy's good insight. You saw what Mayock said that was it. Matt Nagy, the Senior Bowl director, texted him. Like, I guess I gave you the uh, wrong Jim, team, Jim. Jim Nagy. I guess I gave you the wrong team because <laughs> they drafted four guys from the other team. Uh, all right, what about what about the? Uh, well, remember him and Kyle didn't like. Uh, remember Gruden was saying, "Yeah, we, we were going to rotate interviewing guys. Like, we'll give them some of our guys at night." So they they just kind of worked together to get an inside insight that the other teams didn't. It was kind of genius. It is. So they really took advantage. Like, how many Senior Bowl guys did both these two teams draft? Well, fucking Mayock drafted basically the national championship game. It's incredible. I love it. I do. Now, I mean fairness, that sincerely. That, why you? If you're gonna take a swing and you're gonna miss, at least take a Clemson well, Alabama guy. It's not crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, it also was just like, well, guess what? The best players might be on Clemson and Alabama, so that's why you, you know. That's where a lot of the great players are. Like, I saw this stat last week. I think it was, God, what was it? It was like, I'm going to screw it up. I'll look for it. But it was something about, like, the best college players have a 900% chance better of being first-round picks. Or something in terms of, like, high school stars and who the best yeah. college players are. And, like, the chance that you're a first-round pick is, like, 900% higher if you're in the category of elite players. The best players become the best players. Here's a shocker. We're always trying to figure out, like, what about the three-star guy, that, the five-star guys? Yeah, guys bust, but guess what? The most athletic, fastest, biggest, strongest players become the best players, just as a general rule. Uh, okay. Let's you get, you want me to just uh, – let's do this. I, I just typed in mm -hmm. 2016 high school recruiting rankings. I'm just going to read you the top ten guys. One, Rashawn Gary, first-rounder. Two, Dexter Lawrence. First rounder. Three, Greg Little. I think he went in the second round offensive lineman Ole Miss. Four, Shea Patterson, starting quarterback at Michigan. Five, Jacob Eason, now starting quarterback at Washington. Six, Ed Oliver, heard of him, top ten pick. Seven, Levante Taylor, corner of Florida State. He must still be in school. Eight, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Nick Bosa. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, keep I going. just read. Keep going. Keep reading. Well, then now I'm at the point where I'm not. Derek Brown, Ben Davis, McKee Juarez. So, but the top ten guys, one, two, three, four, five. Five of the top nine guys were top 50 picks, and four of them were top 20 picks. Yeah. Not that complicated in that, that way. That's, would you say that's pretty good? Of the nine guys, Bosa, Oliver, Lawrence, and Gary, it's it's a big deal to get those guys, right? I I do kind of feel for Oliver because I remember it was such a big deal. Like, oh, this guy, uh, what the fuck? Who's a coach at? Oh, Tom Herman. He's do, he's doing huge things at, at Houston. He got Ed Oliver to sign with him when obviously Ed Oliver could have gone any school in the country. And Ed's like, I'm going to stay home. And then the dude left the next year. Now, it all worked out. But 
would Ed Oliver have been the number one overall pick if he had gone to Alabama or USC or Texas or something? Or would he have not? It's a good question. Can I read you? I just went to 24-7 Sports and found their all-time composite-ranked players since 2000. Okay, so like the highest-ranked players they've ever had since 2000. And this is composite ranking, so it's using all the rankings. And my, my theory was if I just drafted the top, if my team was just the number, if I just drafted a guy when he was coming out of high school, the number one player, the best-ranked guys, how good would my team be? Here you go. Jadavion Clowney, the highest-ranked player since 2000. You remember he was a running back in high school? Remember seeing those clips? <laughs> Robert Kimdiche was number two. Rash- he was still a first-round pick, kind of a bust, but yeah. Rashawn Gary was number three. Vince Young's number four. Ernie Sims is number five, pro. Uh, Ronald Powell. Bad instincts. Defensive yeah. end, Ronald Powell. He's Hold in the league. Board. I think Is he on the Niners? <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Underrated the hype on Trevor Lawrence coming out of high school. Dorian like Greenback. You're saying since 2000, Trevor Lawrence is a top five overall recruit ever? Uh, he's like tied for sixth. Yeah, I mean, there's like, a, he's not one, two, three, four. There's a handful of guys. Uh, so him and Ronald Powell are both .9999 overall ranks, like if out of a thousand. Ronald Powell did just play for the Orlando Apollos. Okay. <laughs> Doriel Green Beckham. Uh, Justin Fields, he's at Ohio State. DJ Williams, linebacker. Miami, De La Salle. Brock Berlin, okay. A little bit of a whiff on that one. Uh, Daquan Bowers, Terrell Pryor, Joe McKnight, the late, Leonard Fournette, Adrian Peterson, Mario Edwards, Cyrus Quanjo, Andre Smith, Miles Garrett, Matt Barkley, Trenton Thompson, Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, Julio, one thing I wonder on Kayvon that Thibodeau at Oregon is like tied for twenty third all time. Jesus, is he there? Is he there right now? True freshman, yeah. The one thing I think, looking back on Matt Barkley, it was toward the end of the Pete Carroll run because he actually only started that one year for Pete Carroll. I wonder if they gave so much the benefit of the doubt that like Pete had offered him at like fourteen years old, the hype on him. Like, there's no way over these last, like, 10 years, some of these, like, Tua was a huge recruit. Obviously, some of the guys George has gotten recently. Trevor Lawrence. Like, if they could redo that one, if Barkley truly would have been. Like, how is Trevor Lawrence? Because I remember watching one of Yogi's fucking videos, and they just kept gushing about this long-haired dude, long-haired dude. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy's kind of goofy looking. And then he goes to Clemson, you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy's like a long-haired Brady. <laughs> you know? Wait till you so, see. Did I tell you about the number one guy in next year's class? Long-haired guy? No, did I say long-haired guy? The number one guy. No, I just meant is he long-haired guy oh, too? Oh no, he's he's Polynesian. His name's DJ something. He's from SoCal, but it's between Clemson and Oregon. Oh yeah, yeah. You told you told me about him off the podcast. He's like six five. He is massive, massive. Looks like a tight end. And he's a quarterback. Yeah, number one quarterback. Where do people think he's gonna go? It's between Clemson and Oregon. Clemson guy is really rolling right now. Yeah. Uh, all right, John. This got people uh, all fired up. The Niners took a punter in the fourth round. Mitch Wisnowski, one of the best I've ever seen, John, uh, out of Utah. Well, and he's not a three-time Ray Guy winner. He's just a three-time Ray Guy finalist. Right, right. right. But he won it the first two times. Oh, so he's won the award. He, yeah, he won it the first year. I think he won it back-to-back. Uh, he did win it back-to-back because no one's ever won it three years in a row, and that's what he had a chance to do. You're right. Uh, 
or did he not win it the second time? I only got him 16. He okay, didn't so win he didn't win the second time. All right. Never mind. Maybe it's the – maybe Matt Gay, their kicker, won the Lou Groza twice, and no one's ever won that three years in a row. Maybe that's what it was. Because they had two – they had finalists in both <clears> categories. Where's Tom Hackett right now? Doing, he does. He's their sideline reporter for Utah Radio. So he's not punting in the NFL? No. Because I'm just looking at this list. It's not a lot of NFL punters. It's been going now for about 20 years. Interesting. Like the best punter on this list. I mean, it's like BJ Sam. I mean, guys I've never really heard of. Maybe Lou Groza award was only one time too. Is Michael Dickinson, the dude from Texas, this Australian too, that the Seahawks drafted last year in the fifth round, who's fucking incredible. Well, that's the guy that they mentioned. The Niners, uh, Lynch mentioned him in the press conference. Well... One thing that's unique about the NFC West is it arguably has the two best punters in the league. Johnny Hecker, who also can throw, but he's an elite punter, was an undrafted free agent. And I think when you look at like punters and kickers, some of the best guys in NFL history have been undrafted free agents. Now, it doesn't always mean you got to draft sometimes, but a lot of them have been Adam Vinatieri, who it's safe to say is probably going to go down as the greatest kicker ever, was an undrafted free agent, had to play in NFL Europe. And then obviously Hecker, who I think most people would view as the best punter in the NFL, yeah. was an undrafted free agent. Now this guy, Dickinson, they used last year in 2018, like they used a fifth round pick on him. Well, guy, they nailed it. Like he's really good. So to me, use a fourth round pick on him. I I don't I don't know where you stood on this. My first reaction was I, I'm not gonna over if you would use a third round pick on the punter, to me I'll overreact on that. Like that's bold. That's crazy. Once you get to Saturday, now listen, he's got to be, like, the bar is set in this division. Dickinson, they use fifth. He's got to be good. Like, he doesn't just, he's going to be your punter. Dickinson. He's got to be a good punter. He's got to be a good punter. Yeah, like, to me, the bust, when you draft a guard in the fourth round and he sometimes plays, that's a better pick than a punter that isn't your guy in the fourth round, right? Like, the punter who gets drafted in the fourth round has more pressure than the guard that gets drafted in the fourth round. You agree with that? This guy has pressure kind of like some of the other picks, I but, think. But you agree with that? Like, you take a guard in the fourth round, there's a different pressure. That guy doesn't have as much pressure as the punter. Because you only my carry the one punter this, on your active this, roster. That Wisniewski or whatever the fuck you say Wisniewski. this guy's name? Wisniewski. He is cl- much closer to, like, Debo-level pressure than he is the other late-round But picks. just to finish the thought, like, you agree a different position player that's taking what, it that that's position. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm yeah. saying, like, okay. you're saying the guard in the fourth round really is more closely connected with the fifth and sixth rounders. Like, oh, just a, he's considered a mid-round pick. To me, you draft a punter in the fourth, he goes along with, like, your second-round pick's p- pressure. Like, he's got to be a player because his – because he is your starting punter, he's got to be good. Remember, they drafted this dude from LSU. Who did they cut him? Their opinion, like opinion, sucked. It was clear opinion was not. They must good. have because they signed another guy before they drafted this guy. When we drafted Alex Henry in the fourth <clears throat> round, my last, my second year in Philly, it was clear in training camp he sucked. And he and the punters and kickers, it's different with a kicker because in training camp. If you draft a guy high, and we saw this with Aguayo a couple years ago, the beat writers are monitoring whether you make or miss a kick. With punting, they're not really doing that. So it's it's covered a little differently. But you can tell pretty quickly, like, God, this guy's shanking punts. Like, you feel the pressure. Right. I'd say it's harder 
there's more pressure on a kicker than a punter drafted high. Is that fair? Because I can really... I think there's probably just more pressure on kickers, period. Yeah, but like there's a... It's black and white. You either missed or made a kick where it's like, oh, you pinned him inside the... You got him at the 21, not the 16. I'm just saying, like, I think kickers, if we're doing like a pressure, they just have more pressure. And so, yes, I... So we agree there's more pressure. I'm fine. Do we agree then, though, that... In the fourth round, what you're saying, this is what you were tweeting, is like, look, guys, in the fourth round, I don't know if that guard you're drafting is ever going to play a snap for you. Like, this is the fourth round. I know we'd love to think you're getting a starter here, but well, the Be- upside Belichick, Belichick drafted a punter in the fifth round. So I think it was clear that in this draft, a couple guys were going to get drafted in that mid-round. Look, if 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 the guy's good, then it's a va- then it, then it is a good value. It's a big if, though. He's got to be good enough to be your starting punter for the next 10 years. But your starting punter for the next 10 years is worth a fourth-round pick. Maybe that's the way to put it. If the guy that you have as your starter is your starter for a decade, which is what Kyle said, I hope I don't have to watch special teams film for a decade, then that's a, then that is an absolutely a valuable pick. I, I do think in the last 20 years of the first – I mean, there's only been, I think, one first-rounder of Seabass. He, I think it's fair to say, he was worth the pick. And it was unique with the Raiders. I think there were some people that would still argue, right? Like, he wasn't worth the value. Just the problem was no one else was in the league by the time you were looking at these stats. And you and I have talked about before, would he, if the Raiders hadn't been historically poor for like a 10-year period, once they kind of got good, now he was older, it was hard to judge, but I wouldn't call him the best pressure kicker I've ever seen. I didn't have that much confidence he was going to, would he have been able to live through it? Now, he was good and he was talented, so... That was worth it. But I think the last several years, we've seen a lot of higher picks. Let's start with Alex Henry, then some of the punters that have just been failures. The dude that the the cow punter, Angerer, the Jacksonville Jets, like that was a disaster. Yeah. So to me, if it's a disaster, <clears throat> if the guy is not good, just meaning like he, he's not good enough to be your starting punter, that is a disaster pick. If he's just a solid punter, it's fine. Like the guy, that position does matter. You don't have one. You got to get one. But it's a if he is you're looking to replace him in a year or two, it is a horrendous like this guy better be good. There's just to me it's a it's just a black and white deal. There's just there's no in between. Like right. if you drafted a fourth round guard, if he's your swing guard for like four years, that's a good pick. Right. If this guy's not your fucking starting punter and pretty good, that's a failure. Yep. But but by nature, but the pick isn't a failure because he's a punter in the fourth round. I do not view it's it totally as a dependent on the draft in the fourth round. No, it's it, it's totally dependent on the evaluation. If you, they would have taken the punter in the third round, would you agree that would have been? I'd question that. Yeah, I would too. I don't question value on picks, guy. After once Saturday starts, and people are like noodle cup, no wonder you're out of the league. This is when the scouts shine. No, I view it simply of am I economically tied to the guy? I drove guys to the airport, literally took their playbooks away as we cut them for years. Because once you're drafted starting on Saturday, you're not a lock to make the team. And until we start playing, I don't know if you're good or not. Where, why I think we put such an emphasis, not just the first round, but the second and third. Like, Jalen Hurd's gonna be on the team. So, like, that motherfucker, Debo Samuel, uh, Trayvon Mullen, like, those guys are... They're financial. You're financially tied to them at minimum for several years. So I, we view those guys differently. In the fourth, fifth, sixth, like every year, every team cuts the guy. You, 
because I don't know that you're going to find Matt Brader or Jalen Rashard. Like, those guys, that's my problem with, like, truly breaking down six-round picks. Every year, I, and I've seen it specifically with the Niners and Raiders, like, I didn't know who the fuck Jalen Rashard was. It was clear by, like, first practice training camp. Like, this guy's good. So it's like, oh, I love the DeAndre Washington fifth-round pick by the Raiders. Well, Jalen Rashard's better. I love uh, Joe Williams from Utah. Then Matt Breda fucking eats his lung. I mean, kicks his ass. So I, that's my issue with the undrafted free agent takes guys' roles, and that's not a problem. That's fine. But he, the, your undrafted free agent better not be taking Debo's spot. That's a problem, right? Right. Josh Jacobs better be your have... number one running back. Yeah. Because I'm paying the guy. So, yeah, I, I got no issue with taking a punter in the fourth round. But I will crush you if the guy sucks. Exactly. But I, but I, but I'll give you like yeah, you you can do that. No but problem. With it me. just depends on your again. It depends on your evaluation. Was your evaluation correct? And they obviously spent a lot of they they were talking about not only Reggie Cobb but three other guys like everybody. They were all in on that evaluation. Now as you told me, he is. You've done his games. Like, does he have a huge leg? Yeah, he's he's just really good. Now I did see him have the last game. Uh, I I did their BYU game and he had like a twelve yard punt, but. But again, punters are going to shake it. Do you shake it? Yeah, into the stance. What's his best attribute? Is he like a pinpoint guy? Is he a deep guy? Well, he does have a big leg. I think he's just really accurate. Because I, I, I value more than just huge leg being able to just consistently pin. Yeah, I think he's more of just like the directional stuff. Like he just kind of has, they he, can he trust do the Obviously, I would imagine the Aussie punt. He, right? does the run. Aussie. he does the run thing, yeah. And he can run, like he'll they'll let him do his own kind of fakes. You're saying they do the run punt where he's some of it, not exclusively, but they they do both. Yeah, he's no longer doing that. Like in the NFL, you don't do that, right? Um, that was a Baxter I, thing. I Baxter just, loves doing that. I just like him because <clears throat> he, he got he got unsportsmanlike. That guy would get fucking destroyed. He got unsportsmanlike for uh, spiking the ball after one. After he got he he I think he called his own number on a fake like 15 yards he had to go against UW and got it and spiked. What the happened ball. on the Harbaugh's first year? Was it a sprint out or did he drop it? I forget what happened. Harbaugh. He dropped it, then re-picked it up, then tried to kick it, then it got blocked. Who are you talking about? The Michigan Michigan State game. <laughs> Harbaugh's first year in Michigan. It was how, a how, bad. Was it a sprint out or was it like a low snap? He picked it up right. Because there was like 10 seconds left. They just needed him just to kick it like 10 yards. Yeah, and then maybe he tried to move. You're talking okay, about Baxter. Yeah he, yeah, he dropped it. Then he picks it up. Then he tries to move, and they're already kind of in front of him. I he think. kicks it. They block it. Yeah, it was a... Celebrate. Score, celebrate. Dude breaks his collarbone. <laughs> um, McDonough's voice goes bananas. This is one of the all-time finishes ever. I mean, just one of the all-time finishes. I'll say this. Watching that live, that's easily... We've had a lot of crazy sports moments in our lifetime. That's right up there. That's right up there. Yeah. Iron Bowl, like 109 yard return for a touchdown was up there. That that might be the problem with that. I was at like 95 7 the game, watching on this tiny TV, so it didn't quite. Were you really? It was nuts. Yeah, because I was doing a college football were, show. Were you in the. Uh, so that was before the uh, communal area that they forced everyone to be in? Yeah, this is when I. We didn't even have a show yet. I just wanted to say that. All right. Uh, anything else on the Niners? We need to hit here. To, to me, it's simple. Bosa's got to be a pro bowler. Not year one, but, I mean, he's got to be a good player. Debo's got to be a stud. And this Jalen Hurts guy's got to give you something. And he's got to be your starting punter. 
I the other guys, whatever. Mayock, love love a good. I I always say like press conferences. I don't put a lot of stock in them, but I just I like when you can explain why you take guys, especially guys that people haven't heard of. Um, and I you know you do come away thinking like if Gruden lets him do his thing, there there are reasons, even though there was a value question about their first round picks. Um, there are reasons to have faith in in Mike Mayock, but like you were talking about, and he made it very clear, there was a common thread between all the guys they drafted. Like one thing you'll say is from a personality type, him and Gruden like the same types of guys, right? Or they've had a specific emphasis on this draft because I would say Gruden typically is a little more Al Davis, Brett Veach, Andy Reid. Character's not a big issue with them, but I think they had a specific, like, because uh, they did just add Antonio Brown this offseason and right. Trent Brown that has some questions. But I don't so, mean you can never have those guys, but I think Gruden does value, like when I think about all his quarterback camp, like I think he values guys that are the leaders. Yeah. Right. But but my thing would be, it wouldn't shock me if they take like uh, the Frank Clark guy in the next, like this yeah, draft. Not, but I'm not saying that, vision. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's just like doesn't, doesn't isn't open-minded about red flag guys i'm just saying like he I, loves got captains and leaders and like i just I, think about him with the quarterbacks yeah i i think mayock like when more. it came to picking his own players values that more to his core than gruden will big picture i don't think that's like an ethos to gruden because gruden to me is talent first where mayock when it comes to team building values the captain shit a little more Just in Gruden's history of not giving a fuck about character. But I think he needs guys that'll listen to him. Well, I like, that's why I think I, I think Mayock coming in and kind of talking about that has helped. Like if Gruden was just by himself, does he draft all these guys? I don't know. Yeah, I do have a little more faith in this draft because Mayock was a part of it. Yeah, I agree, would agree. Like now, the one thing I keep getting back to, and we talked about this on Friday. And it's hard because you listen to Mayock talk and you realize like his draft board or his top, you know, 50 players or whatever he would have done. Cleveland Farrell probably wouldn't have been in the top five. Hell, might not have been in the top 10. But he is he's always been specific about this. I'm doing this for the league, not necessarily an individual team. So when I'm talking about an individual team, it is different. So he's in, he's outstanding in a press conference. Like you watching him, you go. If I was his television exec, like this is, he's the ultimate because he's serious about it, but he's got some personality, but he can really articulate it, but not in an over the top way. Like he is, he's a pretty special verbalizer of football. Would you agree with that? Of yeah. players? Yep. And of it's, team situations. Like I think that's where his, I thought val- his press conference was elite. It was great. And I think I loved watching it. And part of the reason I watched it is because I saw you tweet how good it was. Um, I do think when it comes to value, and this is where he mentioned, you know, the pressure of, I said, let's trade back 10 spots. Our guy will still be there. And Gruden's, and he said, and Gruden's looking at me. Gruden wants to trade up for the guy. Like he gave us some good insight on Gruden. He's like, yeah, Gruden does want to trade up for the guy just to get his guy. So it does sound like A, Gruden listened to him and B, he is balancing John in that way. But he's like, then the court, the coach is staring at you, and you know, like my guy better, that guy better, his guy better be there. And my, and Mike's open, like that's tech, that's his boss is looking at him, yeah, right? Yeah. But he's also saying, I think this is where the years of the draft stuff, understanding who is on everybody else's roster, comes into play, right? 
How do you know that? Well, part of it is you talk to people. Part of it is just knowing what other teams need. John, trust me, they're not taking the wide receiver you want, or they're not taking I, the cornerback. I, I would say this. In my lifetime of watching media guys that are just pretty tunnel vision that you go like, that have probably dreamed of being a GM one day, of non like DJ or Lewis who have worked in the league before they became a media guy, Mike might have been the only one that realistically could have pulled this off in probably any sport. Like, truly just made a transition, and it'd be really well, seamless. Now, he's not a media guy, but you know what I'm beginning to wonder? is like, does John Elway know how to find a quarterback? I do think there are some similarities to Drew Locke and Derek Carr coming out of, uh, coming out of college. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying Drew Locke's good or bad. I'm just saying I am starting to wonder, like, how, how many years until they're, like, they're changing coaches and they're changing quarterbacks, and we go, okay, at some point, did, was all that early success not an indication of what was about to come for the next two decades? That's all. That's a, that's a different time. I, I do think I do think they had a pretty good draft though. The Broncos. I, I, okay, I'm just saying, like, how many years can you be changing quarterbacks year after year after year before we go? Wait a second, maybe do you know how to find a quarterback? I'll, I'll say this, I, and again, I I'm a little more of a John Elway truther. That I think the way we talk about Ozzie Newsom as arguably the greatest, one of the greatest GMs ever. I mean, there's a chance, guy, he might go into the Hall of Fame again as an executive. I heard someone talking that about. Happen? Do you know that I? Uh, people have talked about it. Like, he deserves it, like his career. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, I mean, he already sits up there. Like, I don't even know if he'd want to do that. But you know that he's still, like, he plays a big, pretty big role. They're like, uh, I guess Eric DaCosta was asked about at the press conference, like, what does Ozzy do? And he's like, oh, whatever he wants. But he, he obviously loves evaluating the guy. So he's, like, their number one consultant. Like, he still has an office. still comes there and work out. As I think Biscotti said last year, he's going to be the highest paid scout in NFL history. Like he's making like probably like two million lifetime contract that pays him one point five a year for the rest of his life to just kind of be help them out. So he's making more than Grigson. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Is he in Seattle? Grigson's just like yeah, consultant or whatever. There. Um, but anyway, like I back to Mayock. I'm with uh, you. Back to your original point, which is what started this. Yeah, he he's as good as a transition, and I do think what I took away from that press conference is John Gruden listened to him when it came to value. Like he, one of the things he has to hammer home with Gruden is not just the scouting element, but the value element. And maybe he earned some credit by telling John, "Your guy will be there," and then the guy is there, and then you hope that next year when you got two first, John is willing to listen to him a little more. Like part of this is over time, Mac is proving to Gruden. When I talk about value, you John, you can trust me that I know what we're talking about. Yeah, and and that's where it's now established. With if you're a Raider fan, you watch that press conference, and I've been saying it forever. John Gruden either doesn't know or doesn't care, and I think it's a combo of them both. Probably more just doesn't give a fuck, which is fine as long as you listen to your general manager. Now, in a perfect world, would I like like you know who knows about that? And let's even throw Belichick. Obviously, he's the like Andy gets that. Pete gets that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the smart coaches get that. And I think that's like Gruden. If I'm paying you ten million dollars, I would like you to have some understanding because you. I think this kind of hits home when you're watching the draft. You go, God damn, the draft's a huge part of the NFL. Like it's kind of the lifeblood of just the sport. So if my coach, now coaching is not picking players necessarily, but if I'm paying a guy ten million. 
I would like for him to be like, you know, he's got a pretty good feel for this. And I don't think Gruden will ever give a fuck. Ever yeah. give a shit at all, guys. I, I think you want to be like if 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 John, if if you're uh if you're the GM and I'm the coach and I'm Gruden, you want to be able to say to me, okay, I know you want this player ten spots earlier than we're sitting right now, but how much better do you think he is than the next guy? I, the next guy we can get is this guy. Is he just a little bit better or way better? That's my question. Does Gruden go, Does I, that's the guy I want? Or does he say, yeah, all right, Mike, you're right. He's only a little bit better, and that's not worth 10 spots. Well, and see, and I, and I don't mind placating the coach later in the draft, like Hunter Renfro, who looked, as Dabo said, you can never judge a book by his cover because on our team, this guy, what? And he, I mean, you Remember go the catch back, he made in the Senior Bowl. Do you remember three years ago when they first won their national championship? Minka was a sophomore. Hunter Renfro fucking worked his ass. And then he they just gave him a scholarship, former walk-on. I guess he had won this award. It's only been out for like 10 years of the best player in college football that was originally a walk-on. You know, it's a pretty good list, actually. Like Baker Mayfield. Like You look at the names. Like A lot of them are in the NFL. But... Like that, that would be a type of guy Gruden. Like I got no problem being aggressive in the fifth round or whatever. But to me, like even next year, John, you're going to have two first round picks. There is a balance of knowing when we can get a guy and what we have to use them. Cause again, when we judge first rounders, you're stuck with that guy at minimum for four years. So it's, it's essential that you get it right. So let's talk about that then that aspect of it. Like, did they get, Big picture now, did they get guys that will keep them? Are They they got two first-rounders, the Bears and theirs next year, and the drafts in Vegas. Are they drafted in the middle of the first round with their pick? Or are they drafted at the top of it and the end of it? Like, when we come away from this thing, big picture, and I know a lot of this is already in stone after round one because they had three guys in the first round. But how much well, better here, here, are they here, today here, than they were Wednesday? Well, here's my thing. Their guys, like the upside to be elite rookies, are probably not there. Now, these guys might have good careers, but the knock on Jonathan Abram, who probably is their best, to me, of their first-round rookie, of just truly, most people viewed him, he went where he was supposed to go, good player, but he's a little deficient in coverage, and he's a hammer, but when you crush people in the NFL, what happens? You get flagged. So the transition for him will be a little difficult. Like, is Cleveland Farrell, I mean, how's he going to get, like, seven, eight sacks? He's by far their best defensive lineman. He's going to get double-teamed every play. Josh Jacobs, he's their quote-unquote starting running back, but he's not going to be as good of a pass catcher right away as, like, Jalen Richard. Like, Jalen Richard is one of the better pass-catching running backs in the league. You know, so it's like their team this year, are they incrementally better? Sure, they're just deeper, but they're not, like, going from a four to a 10 win team to me, especially with the schedule. Like I kind of view them as a six win team, which you would hope when you have three first rounders, right? Yeah. You can make a distinct jump when I I think it's going to be a little more difficult just because I don't see the high end of like two of their three rookies being like all pro level guys. And that to me was like, if they were going to take a jump, damn, they got their first round was Devin white, Montez sweat. And let's say Jonathan Abram. And then they got Josh Jacobs in the second round. I'd be like, damn. Well, maybe they got, what if Devin White's an all-rookie guy? Montez Sweat gives him 10 sacks. Abrams, their guy, safety. And Josh Jacobs is starting running back. But instead, they, like their second-round guy, Travion Mullen. For, again, one of those names when 
people text me, they drafted Mullen. I'm like, who? Like Clemson. I'm like, position? They're like, corner. Well, he fits the perfect athletic profile. He's 6'2". And I said, well, what's his knock? They're like, obviously he's a good player. He's a two-year starter on this team, which is fucking loaded. So he's a legitimate NFL prospect. But they're like, his, he doesn't make plays on the ball. And then you Google, he had seven career pass breakups. And breakups. I saw PBUs. There you now, he, did interceptions. Have, he did have the pick in the in the national championship, but not the pick six, the pick where Tua just overthrew everyone and he just ran under it. Like That's one of those where Lewis would go, yeah, that's a pick, but that's not a true pick. Lewis's defense of this guy was that, well, how are you supposed to make plays on the ball when they never throw at you? Like They were always throwing to the other side. So, And this is where in college it gets dicey. So does he just not have good instincts? Because I, I my my one guy that I trust, the number one guy I go for his opinion, just goes, I don't think his instincts are that great. He liked it. He thought it was – he was get, he knew he was getting – go between like 50 and 75. Like that's the range for that level player. Mm-hmm. But it's just – when that's what you lack, like Josh Jacobs, he doesn't have top-end speed. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter at running back. If you don't have instincts to make plays on the ball at corner, that can be a problem. Even if you can run, even if you're tall, we saw it with DJ. Well, you would say like Byron Murphy is kind of the, like he's not physically as big, but people just feel like the dude's a baller, right? Well, I'll give you a guy that stands out to me was was not Kevin King, but uh, Sidney Jones. No, I, who I think uh, Josh King, maybe the Chargers, Chargers defensive backfield, uh, Chargers roster, fuck. They they had a guy a couple years ago from uh, from Iowa, who is. Let me search by Iowa. Great podcast, Desmond King, who they took I think in the like third round or fourth round. Well, his knock in college was he was slow. So people were like ah, oh, you can't really play corner when you're slow. But he just made plays on the ball, a ton of PBUs, and they oh they got him in the fourth round. Well, what does he do in, in the pros? He fucking makes plays on the ball nonstop because he's just an instinctive player. You can make up for being a defensive back if you're just truly instinctive at safety or especially at corner. Like this guy, Mullen, can run. I think he ran like a 4 4 8 at the combine. But if you're always just never looking back at the ball, it doesn't matter if you're right there. So that's, that's going to be on the coach. Can you coach him up? I'm a believer. It's kind of an innate thing by the time you leave college. I think you can coach them up like once you get to a major college, like at 18 years old. But I, how often do you see guys, you know, this guy never made plays on the ball, and then he leads the league in picks. That's just not really how it works. Yeah, I don't – Like, like Richard Sherman naturally had ball skills because he was a former receiver, right? He just, well, so that's interesting. I was talking to my buddy Evan Moore the other day who played at Stanford with Richard Sherman and, like, knows – um he was at Stanford when Walt Harris got there and Walt had been the coach at Pitt when Larry Fitzgerald was there. And I guess Larry has this technique for like what, how he tracks the ball that Walt Harris tried to teach the people at Stanford. Like, here's the technique. It's like, yeah, the technique is fine, but the difference is Larry tracks the ball better than anybody else in the world. So Larry's thing was like, Larry's running down the right sideline, let's say, and he'd leave a little room over his outside shoulder, right? For the quarterback to throw the ball. As soon as he would look over his left shoulder, but then he would like put his head back like he's looking straight up to the sky, 
he could track it that way all the way over to the right to the other shoulder and he would push a guy off he would push a guy off with his left arm at the last second and then be able to catch it over the opposite shoulder so Walt Harris is like teaching everybody at Stanford this thing and Evans like in in warm-ups people can't do it like it is so freaking hard to do like the technique that Larry used only worked because Larry could lose the football and then refind it looking straight up in the sky and catch it in his all over his other shoulder like I don't think John you can learn like there is just outfielders the same deal like you <clears> see <throat> the ball and then you just turn and run and you just know where the ball is going to be like that's I, I gotta, not teachable I got a stat for you on Desmond King he actually went in the fifth round because he ran really slow he is was the only Big Ten player in a 20 year stretch with 12 plus INTs so like he just finds the football now you get him in the fifth round. You're like, oh, me and you, fifth round kind of throwaway. Well, he's your starter. He's a starting defensive back for him, yeah. and he fucking makes plays. And so far in the NFL, he's got a bunch of picks. He's got multiple picks. He's got in two years, he's got four picks, and how many PBUs and 15 PBUs. So this guy went in the fifth round. He's become a full time starter. He's got four picks and 15 PBUs. Like you, you either make plays on the ball or you don't. It's just that's why Byron Murphy. I think ninety percent of NFL scouts that like Byron Murphy will be like, I don't know if he's ever going to be Deion Sanders, but he ain't going to fail. Like worse, he'll just be your nickel. He can tackle and he makes plays on the football. Like that, you just don't teach that in the NFL because we, you and I have had a front row seat for all these DBs, just with the Niners and Raiders these last like five six years. That they're like, oh, I'm kill a Weatherspoon. He's six two. He can run. He just can't find the fucking football. DJ Hayden. I started to kind of like DJ Hayden. I'm like, God, he, he plays hard. He's tough, but he just can't find the ball. So that that would be my one question, just with him. Where's the high end? Are you getting Pro Bowlers out of your top four picks? Yeah, but I, I once you get to that point, like, like the knock on Greedy, like Greedy, who went, they passed on Greedy Williams for this guy. So Greedy goes to the Browns. They weren't the only ones. Yeah, six or seven picks later. But I just think in that, they were kind of in the Greedy range there. I, I thought they kept trading back to get Greedy. The knock on Greedy is not necessarily playing the ball. It's that people in the league think he's like the ultimate puss. He will not tackle. Someone told me they were praying to God that this team in their division that they thought were going to take him in the first round would take him. Like, <laughs> we, will just, we will run sweep at them every day. They asked John Dorsey that question. I thought John Dorsey had a pretty good quote, and I, I kind of lean with John on this one. We pay Greedy to cover, not tackle. So you just when that's your deal, well, okay. If Greedy's a good cover guy, you can make up for it, right? But you gotta be, a, yeah, you gotta be a really good cover guy. You gotta make sure that you're really. Good if you're a starting corner and like a legitimate cover guy, okay, he doesn't really want to tackle. No one really cares that much. Yeah. But you can't be getting smoked and refuse to tackle. Right. But to me, like that, we talk about Debo compared to all the other receivers, right, in the second. Like, to me, the Raiders, you chose Trayvon, and both of them fit the profile. You want this tall corner? You thought that Trayvon Mullen is a better player than Greedy Williams, obviously on your board, right? That's one to kind of, and the Browns are going to be a relevant team. So, like, is Greedy, is it Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, the two starting corners, or is, like, Greedy a backup year one? Is, is Mullen making plays, or is Mullen getting smoked and Greedy's making plays? That's just... Just, let's just keep an eye on that one. I like that's it. what's fun about the draft, right? Is like, it's not necessarily just judge on is this guy good or not. 
how's he relative to the position of the guys that you clearly had stacked lower on the board? Yeah, yeah. The other one that's kind of fun for me for the Raiders to watch is the the tight end they took. Foster, is it Morrow? Is that how you say his name? It's such a New Orleans last name, isn't it? But same deal, right? He wears number 18. That's a big number at LSU. What does that mean? Like the highest character guy on the team? Yeah, I'm not sure what the tradition of it is, but there's something to it. Um, But he's one of the fastest tight ends. You know what I love also when Mayock's telling that story? Is that how many times has that goddamn story been said in the draft room? This 18 guy, I'm telling you, means a lot. It means a lot in the program because the SEC scout, he hears about it all the time when he goes into LSU, like the position coach. I'm telling you. To get to warrant wearing this number at this program, this speaks to his character, his willingness to get down in the gutter, throw his body around. So Max heard this story over and over and over again and then tells the story like anyone in the room has any clue what the number 18 in California means to LSU. Uh, it's been a tradition since 2003 when Matt Mock... <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little overhyped. They, they made it sound like this has been going back since like the 40s, didn't they? And I think it's just a thing that the players do. So like yeah. then Matt Mock passed it down to Jacob Hester. Good player. Uh, didn't Mack make this sound like it was like a 50-year-old tradition? I Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought that's what it was, but I don't. He might be like the fifth guy ever to wear the number because Jacob Hester wore it in like 07. But in fairness to Mike, I would imagine in the scouting room with the scouts, they talk about this. But here's, yeah, but also here's the thing with the guy, right? He was one of the fastest tight ends that tested. He had one of the highest verts. Well, my, my, I, te- so immediately, I, I don't know much about this guy. I He's say, big. what's, I say, you like Monroe. And they said, yes, tough Mor- guy. Moreau. The prop, Monroe. The problem is the one text that I got plays like four nine despite running four six. So he ran really fast. But this guy's point was he does he plays slow. They took a bit like what Mayock made clear though is they made a bet on him, right? We think he's more athletic than people think. Like that's what he said. Like we went out and went one on one with him. I love the idea of like their tight ends coach like redirecting him like he's a linebacker or a safety. But the, the, he's a he's the classic guy of until the combine happens all year long. You're like God, this guy runs like a slug. He's slow. Then the combine happens. You're like. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy just ran four six flat. They think they can coach him up, clearly. More than most yeah. people think he but can that, be coached but, up. Yeah, and that's, to me, what round did this guy go? Fourth? Uh, I think end of four. I, four I got no five. problem with kind of flyer-ish. I wouldn't call a fourth round pick a flyer, but kind of betting on the come. 35th I, pick of the fourth round. I, I got no issue with that. Though so, I, so he's a comp I, pick. Though I do think many in the league that probably didn't like him would be like, yeah, he's a he's a workout warrior. He's not a player when it comes to running. Because the way I, he was described to me was much more Lee Smith than what I think, like the way you said Mayock described him, as yeah. like they think they can get a Jared Cook. If the Pats had drafted Hunter Renfro, everyone would love that pick. Well, I like the Hunter Renfro. I mean, the Hunter Renfro pick's a good pick. I, guy, I think Hunter Renfro will be the starting slot receiver for the Oakland Raiders week one. You want a bold prediction? He'll lead the team in receptions? I wouldn't go that far, but I, I do think that their starting lineup will be Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, Flex outside, and him in the slot. Now, I would say this also, though, guy. Who is their tight end? Like, Jared Cook was pretty important to them. Like, depending on this guy at LSU to just be a pass-catching tight end you right away is a lot to ask. 
All right. Anything else on them? Uh, I just hope Mayock keeps giving press conferences. It's kind of entertaining. Love it. I love it. Uh, all right. Other Want to go to the Raiders rookie minicamp next mm. week? Me either. Uh, John, did, in, fair, in fairness, like I always text my coaching buddies, like, how's the rookie minicamp? They're like, brutal. <laughs> uh, is Josh Rosen going to Dolphins minicamp, you think? Rookie minicamp? Yeah, I think he'll be there tomorrow. He was the MVP of the Larry Fitzgerald softball game, and he won the home run derby, and he got a standing ovation. How about that? <laughs> Pretty cool. Like, all of a sudden, everyone's like, his Instagram story was like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, somebody... Who, not his Instagram story, like on his photo, someone's like, going to be a great one. It was, uh, who was it? Maybe it was the right oh, da- It was David Johnson. It was David jo- Johnson. Uh, all of a sudden, like everyone's, where was all this public support like two months ago? But uh, I'm ex- he's handled it well. I'm excited for the uh, Josh Rosen era in Miami. It's kind of kind of weird, obviously, but. I, I, I'll say this. I don't have much to go on. I don't know him. I don't really know anyone that I feel like knows him. But when Larry Fitzgerald like kind of just signs off on you, and I mean truly signs off on you, like clearly likes this guy. Now, did he invite him to his softball when he thought he was the quarterback? Maybe, but I do think he's had a pretty good idea that this guy wasn't going to be around long. It feels like Larry really likes this kid. So to me, like, has the narrative on him kind of outgrown what he actually is at this point? It kind of feels like, yeah, he's smart and kind of like I don't feel like he's Jay Cutler or anything, you know. Because the one thing you would say he doesn't feel like a miserable sob, right? And he, I, I think he handled this a lot better than a lot. They, I saw Honey Badger quote the tweet. He's like, "Props to this kid. He handled a lot better than I would." Have. Vi- I was the, thinking the same thing. Yeah, the video. I, he quoted the video where Josh was. Yeah, he's like, he offered Kyler. A lot better than me. He offered Kyler Murray his apartment, basically, like as a joke. But don't you think that like the Honey Badger? was also just speaking for a lot of players in the NFL. Like, I would not have handled this very well. And I think Steve Smith, do you see Rosillo's tweet? Like no. yesterday, like, do people think Steve Smith's rant on Josh was good? Yeah, like, I didn't get that. Well, I... I mean, I got... I, no, don't let me let me rephrase. I got it. Like, I, I think probably most players just always feel that way. Like, everybody, all the rest well, they, of our positions, they resent They resent quarterbacks. Right. All the rest of our positions, they're always trying to replace us. And we have to battle with a guy in camp every week. I don't think Steve was misguided on his anger. Just he wasn't necessarily speaking to Josh. Just the overall the way quarterbacks get treated. But you're misguided in the sense that, like everyone said, like hey Steve, he wasn't. The moment they draft Kyler number one, Josh's career in Arizona is over. So he's just gonna follow them to like watch them blow. But also, he I never followed, said a word. He never said a word. I I follow the Cardinals on Twitter. Like, if you were Josh Rosen, it's the obviously the private jet him coming him cutting cliff it's like god this i wouldn't want to see my ex-girlfriend you know make out with a guy on twitter like you just want to live in hate uh, yeah steve just wanted to pop off i guess i don't know but you know it's classic like a lot of people in the media like, he's crushing it nails it oh the the truth <laughs> you know and again i i'd be all for it if i thought josh was a slappy i just don't really think josh is slappy anymore. yeah look if steve smith talked to somebody if you know somebody on the cardinals and told him like yeah dude we all hate josh okay well that's different it, do, it doesn't necessarily feel that way right no because the topic started with he unfollowed him that's how it started that's what that that's what that conversation started with which in my so what he hasn't said a thing i was thinking about it yesterday oh 
Is there a chance that the Kyler in Arizona is just a disaster? Of course. It, it just feels like we've had a lot of seamless transitions with a lot of small quarterbacks. Like, is it a chance that this is the RG3 one? We're again, it might just, he just gets hurt. Like, I, I have this envision in my mind of like. Ease induced? Ease induced. No, this was just, just thinking about it. Like a Khalil Mack type guy getting their paws on Kyler and hurting him. Like slamming him to the ground. Because the one thing Kyler's going to think immediately, and this is what RG3 and Kaepernick and, and Michael, and most of the time he's going to be right. I'm going to be like, we're running to a point. I'm going to be there before you, and then I'm going to keep going. Where there's going to be one guy, and the league is sped up a lot now because so many more like Roquans are now. Like the Bill Romanowski types are not on the field. Right. There's the not safeties only are like linebackers. Yeah, there's not only one linebacker that can run like Navarro. Probably every other team has pretty speedy fucking linebackers. Plus, how many of these D-line, like Clowney, runs a 4-5-0. Oh. So if he's already got his leg up on you to a corner, he might just meet you there. You know, Frank Clark can move. Montez Sweat was like faster than most wide receivers. So Kyler's going to be arrogant in a good way, thinking I'm faster than everyone on the other end. And just a couple of times, you're not going to be. And I just wonder who was now Johnny, who just wasn't that fast. But I remember one of Johnny's first starts. He tried to run around the corner, and Luke Keekley, it was like a lion chasing a gazelle. Like, oh my, this is, oh, oh! And Luke destroyed him. Now, again, Johnny's a 4 6 guy. Johnny's not fast. But, Johnny, you're just wired as a player. Like, I'm faster than this guy, right? Yeah. Because I've always been faster than that. And you're just like, you're not. Is uh is Jim Caldwell viewed so like I, I tweeted the other day. Sorry, I don't need to say that. So I was looking at it and Did you re- did you know Caldwell was the offensive coordinator? Well he's not. He's the quarterback's coach, assistant head coach. The offensive coordinator is Chad O'Shea. Oh, the guy that he brought from New England. So this is now in seven months since he worked with uh Mike That's a pretty McCoy. good offensive staff. You bring in Belichick guy and yeah. Mike and Jim Caldwell. Mm. But it's his third offensive coordinator in seven months that has never been an NFL coordinator before. Now, it's a skewed stat, but it's left which to Cliff, not to O'Shea. But my question is, because I saw Jim Trotter, somebody was like, you know, for Rosen to get to work with Caldwell is a big deal. He's a quarterback whisperer. Is Caldwell viewed? Like, I didn't, I'm not, I, I just don't know. I, Fla- Fla- Flacco played his best with him. He okay. did good work with Stafford. Right. Okay. I mean, Manning. Yeah, well, I'm excited I think he's, for Rosen. He's viewed as a good quarterback coach for sure. Well, then good. And That's I think awesome. his personality is perfect for quarterback. Like, he's very low-key, even keel. He's just good for him. I, I Maybe this is a better there. situation for Josh, is, even and, though we view the Dolphins as, like, you know, a little up sketchy. Well, I'll say this. Check out Chad O'Shea's bio. I know he's never qual- called plays. He's been on with Belichick for, like, 20 years. Or, you know, uh, maybe even, you know, 15. Like, he's... I think he's a pretty high-level guy. He's got an incredible jawline. He's been with the Patriots since 09. So he's been there 10 years as the wide receiver coach. That's – I think Bill liked him. Now, it's like, why didn't Bill believe in him? Well, I mean, their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniel. So what's – this guy was ever going to get a call plays, he had to move on. Right. But I will say, just looking at his bio, like he's been with Bill for a while. 46 like you're not just getting some I don't even think it's arguable how about that Miami the, these two guys 
just feel a little more put together. Yeah. How about like divisions quarterbacks though? What division? Well, it's three first rounders from last year and Brady. Because it's Allen and Darnold and now Rosen and Brady. Would you say 100% Rosen starts week one? Over Fitzmagic? Like you just start Rosen all season, see what you got, right? I think so, yeah. Rosen will beat him out. But if I also, here's the other thing, Josh. He's, you get to be around Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year, just another yeah. high level guy. Like that's than being around fucking Cliff and the drunk GM. Yeah, if you're, I, I could Sh- see, right? Sugar White. <laughs> Bomani, I had to give him credit for that. Because then there was a, Sh- yeah, he called him Suge White, and he looks like Suge Knight, but white. It's a great tweet. That is very good. Or I don't know if it was a tweet. Somebody tweeted it. Um, but I, yeah, you're right, you know, like maybe part of what, part of the reason Rosen's handling this so well, maybe part of it is like he was in Arizona for a year and was like, this is nuts. Someone did tell me, that did know him and who would know him said that he wanted out. Like this is, he knew where it was probably heading and just, yeah. I don't think he knew where he wanted to go, but he just knew this yeah. is a I mean, look, we've been play. talking about like the, the Cardinals got him for a year and, and this is what they think of him. It's like, well, what does he think of them after a year? Maybe it's not that bad. I, I do know this Which though, guy. reasonable. That if you told me in 10 years, like Josh Rosen goes on to make a couple Pro Bowls, like I, I am not done believing in him. Same. I know that. Same. And if you're and I saw too. some just smart people on Twitter like, are we sure that in 10 years the Cardinals will have the better quarterback? Because I'm not. Now, I'm not a, not a Murray believer because he is pretty special. Here's the other thing. We talked about this on Friday. There's not a right way to do it when if you're if you're Con, Suge White or Kingsbury, like your number one priority is the Arizona Cardinals, not Rosen's feelings. And I don't know how else they could have handled it, but they just did not handle it well. Like it just it felt a little low level. And then they do draft them, and then they're it just I don't know it it just felt a little low level. I agree. I will say they did end up like we talked about on. Thursday, are they going to end up with like a fourth or fifth round pick? They did get the second. And they did get a second, so. My thing, I'll have to look at the third round. Like, would they have not taken the Dolphins' third rounder? Because the Dolphins were picking really high. And I'm, I'm watching the second round. Then the Dolphins trade back from like 45 mm-hmm. to 62. Mm-hmm. And then Rap Sheet immediately is like, or maybe no. it was Chris Rose. Like, keep an eye on that. Is that Yeah, pick- they all started saying, like, all right, now it's easier to part with your second rounder. But who was offering them? I'm going to the third round right now. The Dolphins picked 15th pick in the third round. Now the Patriots had a better pick in that round. They ended up taking Winovich. The Packers did, too. Like, so there were other teams that could have traded for them. Uh, all right, John, NFC West. Let's talk about this. Clay is going to play in this basketball game that's 30 minutes from now as we're recording this podcast. So that's good news for the Warriors. Um, NFC West changed a lot. Non-draft. Did you know? I thought you were saying Clay. Do you know Clay Matthews is on the Rams? Yes, I did know that. Sorry, I meant Clay Thompson. Did I say something? No, I just, when you first said Clay, I thought you were oh. going to go because you said NFC West. I was like, I just learned that Clay Matthews is on the Rams. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I thought you said that maybe because Chase Winovich is on your mind. I love Winovich. Is it Winovich or Vinovich? Winovich, I think it's right? Win. 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 Yeah. Uh, his name is Win. 
Uh, all right, Doug Bal- This this one came out of left field. It felt like the Doug Baldwin might have played his last football, and then Todd Gurley. You, you I texted you that, and you're like, "Well, the Rams think Todd Gurley's not going to be the same player. They just took a running back. Pretty wild weekend at the NFC West." Yeah, the Rams. What round am I in right now? The third. The Rams take a set. Oh, they took the guy in the early in the third round. Third round. Yeah, I mean, if Doug Baldwin was going to retire. That that one kind of like I loved watching Doug. Like that one hurts. Just yeah, I just love watching Doug Baldwin. I'm with you. I'm a big Doug Baldwin guy. That 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 does hurt. Uh, I think losing Doug Baldwin is a pretty big loss. But then they draft. I mean, I'd say the biggest combine winner this year was DK Metcalf. They got him the last pick in the second round. And DJ hit it perfectly. Like the big thing with drafting after the first round where you're just drafting transcendent players is fit for these players. Like, so if he only runs a couple good routes, well, well, Russell Wilson's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. So you just go deep, throw it to him. And here's the other thing the Seahawks want to do. They want to run the football. So what do you need to clear out the box? You need a fucking speed guy going down the field. So I, I, I love the fit. Did you see the the highlight of DK taking off his shirt? And how, then, does Pete, wait, how does and Pete then say Pete, so skinny? Then Pete taking off his shirt. Guy, are you gonna look like that at sixty six? Like he only had a look little like that. side. If you told fat. me right now you can look like Pete Carroll, I'd be like, take <laughs> yeah, it, trade. How does he only have such a limited side fat? Someone no body a, body hair level is so low. Is he a vegan? I don't know. Is he? Someone said that, but I, I don't know. And he plays the piano. I mean, Pete's got more going on than I think he gets credit for, right? He's pretty, like, he could do a lot of different things. No tan lines. If Pete wanted to, he would have been just, like, an elite, like, salesman at Wells Fargo. He, I, I could see him, like, owning a car dealership, just slinging cars. He could probably have been a musician. He's just, he's a renaissance man. He, he really is. is. He but is. he's an unreal coach. But John, yeah, I, well, look, if if Doug Ball now we we kind of we've seen the Rams without Todd Gurley and they're still pretty good, right? We got a glimpse of that at the end of the season in the postseason. Well, they still got a lot of good players. That said, Todd Gurley when he was good was a freaking game changer. Yeah, to me, if Todd Gurley's never the same, that's a bigger hit just because they weren't as dependent. Like they made the playoffs last year, Doug Baldwin at fifty catches. Like, the Rams' dominance was he was the MVP of the team. Yeah. Now, it's a much easier position to replace. Like, you can Like, there's a chance that Daryl Henderson, this guy they drafted in the third round, it's not inconceivable if I said the the best running back in the draft was the guy the Rams got in the third round, right? We see it every year. A mid-round running back has 1,200 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year, Phillip Lindsay made the Pro Bowl as an undrafted free agent. So... And Daryl Henderson was a guy that most people liked. Now, he is 5'8", but height doesn't really matter. He's fast and catch the ball. Trying to see. Here's what an AFC college scouting director said. He's really fast, and those numbers for two years are hard to ignore, but can he translate? When you go watch just the touchdown runs, there are a lot of bad fronts that he gets to feast on. That's what's tough. But I'd say, well, a couple years ago, the dude, the uh, was it Kareem Hunt? Who's the running back for the Chiefs that's now on the Browns? Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, he, like, yeah, he played at Toledo. So this guy played at Memphis, but like small school running backs translate. So, some don't though. 
it's just, he's just I, such I just an think elite he's talent, legit, but he's just yes. such just I mean that that Who? one Todd Gurley. Yeah, I mean Todd Gurley was a was the tenth pick in the draft with a torn ACL. Like if Todd Gurley had been fully healthy, is he a top three pick? He's six two. He ran a four three. He fucking can catch. Here's here's a question for you: If fully healthy Todd Gurley, he's everyone like the knows. Calvin Johnson of running backs as a prospect. Yeah, let's say fully healthy Todd Gurley. Everyone knows what he's about to become. Where would he have gone in the 2019 draft? The one we just had this weekend. Stack with defensive players at a time when even more now than then people aren't going to take running backs high. Well, I think you could have justified the Raiders taking him at four. Because the Cardinals wouldn't have taken him, the Niners wouldn't have taken him. I wonder if does that change the dra- the Jets ever signing Le'Veon? Because you wouldn't take him after signing Le'Veon. I think the Raiders take him at four, and I think you could have justified it. So that that tells you how big of a if that's what you think of him now th- in twenty nineteen. Do you think Todd Gurley healthy? The Raiders take him at four. Just listen to that. Yeah, I mean the fact that especially given that they took a running back at twenty four that wasn't doesn't sniff what Todd was coming out of college. Yeah, could the Bucks have taken him at five? He would have gone high. He would have gone in the top five. Especially after, yeah, yeah. I, I think people taking running backs, that perception, like how much you do that, the in practice people do it less, but still the elite guys like I'll, Zeke I'll give you one. I'll, I'll give you one. Let's just say Saquon, Saquon, Saquon had been in this draft. Could the Raiders have taken Cleveland Farrell over Saquon Barkley? No. Because you couldn't justify, well, you took Cleveland Farrell, then you took Josh Jacobs? Why didn't you just take Saquon and then Montez Sweat or something, right? Yeah, Saquon and then trade up for Cleveland Farrell. Yeah. To me, a top runner, he would have been on the Raiders. Well, it's like... Now, the, the John B- Gruden did take Cadillac one time, I think, at three, and that backfired. Well, the BPA on Saquon versus Cleveland Farrell wouldn't have been close. right? It's not like, oh, they're the best player available. They're close. Well, the knock last year was like, listen, we're all acknowledging Saquon's probably the best pound-for-pound player in this draft, and that was a draft where people thought, Baker's sweet, Darnold's good. Like, we're all acknowledging Saquon just in a vacuum is a better player. But you can't take him over these quarterbacks, right? Right. Because that's the knock on Daniel Jones. The one thing I'm hearing with Daniel Jones, I texted a buddy in the SEC. I didn't know what his take was. There's a guy in the division of the Giants. I'm like, did you like Daniel Jones? He's like, I did. He's like, a lot of a lot of people I know did. I, I think Daniel Jones in the NFL was viewed a little higher. Now, I don't know, not six pick. His point was not where he got drafted, but just like, he was a good player. And that's where I think that as this gets out, the media is crushing Daniel Jones. Most fans think Daniel Jones sucks. I'm even saying leading up to the draft, but I think in the NFL, a lot of people aren't blowing Daniel Jones because maybe they would like to take Daniel Jones like the second round. So it doesn't really get out. Now it got out that the Giants liked him, but then someone Last night, Ralph Villapacano or one of those New York guys tweeted that the two teams, because Gettleman was asked, why didn't you just wait till 17 to get him? Yeah. And he said, I know for a fact that the two teams would have taken him before. And then they he tweeted that the two teams were the Redskins and the Broncos. Then a buddy of mine that in the know that covers the Giants says, I know for a fact. I don't know if Gettleman – I don't think Gettleman's lying because I think he believes that. I just think his information's wrong. One – his point was, when do you ever hear of a team, the Washington Redskins, where an owner wants a player, Dwayne Haskins, and they take the other guy? Especially when you factor in that owner. So cross them off the list. And then he also said, the Broncos did not like, they liked Drew Locke more, and they knew they could probably get him later. And then when you kind of look the way they did it, you're like, ah, 
Were they going to take Daniel Jones at 10? I have a hard time seeing that. But I can't totally rule it out. Now, he's like, the wild card would be the Bengals. No one has any fucking clue anytime what they like. Hmm. So they could have taken him. And I, I'd go, that's fair. Did see Herbert mock to them in 2020 on uh, a mock I read this morning. We can talk about 2020 draft in the next pod. If you had to guess, would the Bengals have taken Jonah Williams? Or, I mean, Daniel Jones if the Giants had not at six? Because I'd probably lean. Why wouldn't you just roll out Dalton one more year and then figure it out? Yeah, I, I, I doubt that. Especially when next year, like... Is Daniel Jones better than Andy Dalton? Maybe some people think that. Well, the one thing the, I said, well, the one thing I wouldn't discount with the Bengals is that Daniel Jones has a little goth, like his characteristics, Andy Dalton, those type quarterbacks that the McVay, the Grudens, they don't mind the super, oh. super arm strength. I could see them kind of liking them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess it's possible. To me, you could just make the case next year there's going to be three quarterbacks that people like. But I do think it's fair to say that it was clear that these leaks come out of Washington weren't fake. Like usually when it comes out, Daniel like Snyder likes the guy. That's who he likes. Cause yeah. he's telling you right. that they were taking fucking Dwayne Haskins. If Dwayne Haskins was there at 15, no matter what. Right. Now do you, should you charge $50 to get in your draft party? You know, that's a different conversation. Do you feel better about that pick or worse on Sunday than you did on. I feel, te- I, I got him red flag. I know. I don't feel good about it either. As someone, and I loved, I really wanted, I I liked him a lot. I still like, I mean, I still like the guy player wise, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know, man. All right. Um, we can talk about God, 2020 it's... and warriors on the next pod. Unless something crazy happens today. I don't know what would qualify as crazy, but yeah, I don't think many people, the Celtics beat the shit out of the bucks. Yeah. One Oh six, 84 as we're watching it right now. I got a take for you. Huh? Every round you go through in the NBA playoffs, the strength and numbers theme means less and less because when we first started recording this podcast, just peeking up at the fucking TV, it felt like Kyrie hit about 10 straight shots. Like you either got the best player on the court. Now they still got Giannis, but I watching Kawhi last night or yesterday. It's like Embiid's clearly not healthy. The other three guys are just not elite. Like Kawhi is like Michael Jordan meets Scottie Pippen right now. It's going to be hard for you to beat that team in a series when they got that play. Like, if you if you had the best player in the series, you're usually going to win the series. Kyrie's got 26 and 11. Like, we'll see what happens with the Warriors. Now the Warriors saving graces. They still got, you know, the other guys, they got Kevin Durant. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose game one, but... yeah. But they got James Harden, so it's like, well, we got his equal. Right. All right. Does losing game one count as something crazy enough worth coming back for more podcasts? Uh, no, I, I personally, I'm kind of hoping they lose game one. Cause I want it to be interesting. You want some juice? Yeah. I'm with you. I want a little juice. So Do you try to watch. I don't know if you try to watch any of the uh, Yankees giants, but it's giants are terrible. Well, the one thing to me that took some juice away from that Friday was it's like, did Yankees. you go? No, no, no. I watched it on television. Uh, you probably could not pretty cheap because the tickets, they, it wasn't a sellout. Well, I've looked into it. Because Alyssa's a Yankees fan, but she's out of town. What were were they? I I think the cheapest I saw for for Sunday when I looked on Friday was like I don't know thirty bucks or something for like a decent seat. Yeah, like none of the lower deck seats were for sale. Gotcha. But um, what I was gonna say though was Friday. It's like Orange Friday, uh, Orange Jersey, like Yankees. 
Giants, classic is like the orange jersey. I'm like, eh, doesn't quite look the same on the field with the Yankees jerseys. I do think Adam Ottavino, their reliever who just sliced and diced Buster with the bases loaded Friday night, he wears number zero, obviously because his name's Ottavino, starts with an O. I was thinking, is he the first guy to ever have the letter of his name on his jersey as a Yankee? Since they don't have names on their jerseys? It might be. Did you see the home run Gary Sanchez hit yesterday? No, I did not. It was a. I mean, it. uh, Yeah, like left center ish. I mean, thirty rows, just a moonshot. Wow. Couple. I saw on Twitter on Friday night. I don't know if he ended up starting. He because he's coming back from injury too. They did not have one opening day starter in the lineup. Like they are legitimately just destroyed. Because Gardner was out. Obviously, Judge got hurt a couple days ago. Stanton, I don't even know where he's at. Yeah. Well, they're both out. Gary Sanchez just hadn't had been coming back. Gardner but like, had been hitting like third in their lineup. I mean, Chapman is playing, right? Pitchers are pitching. But I get like that's your your. Yeah, I mean, line. James Paxton was their starter. Like he's good, <laughs> but yeah, but their lineup is still doesn't look anything like. Because I don't think Voight, Voight, however you say the guy's name, I don't, he was not. He hits bombs. He hits. He hits what's, what's that guy's deal? He's pretty good. Tanks. <laughs> I mean, the Giants would die for that guy. God. Yeah, but he I think Greg. Bombs. I mean, was Greg Bird their opening day? Shots. Yeah, because yeah. then they sign him. What's that? Well, Greg, Greg Bird, Bird was just hurt last year a lot. Uh. It. I, I kind of wish I had just grown up a Yankee. It'd just be cool to be a Yankee fan. Right. Like tra- truly invested. Like whenever I meet like a truly invested like Yankee, Cowboy, or Laker fan, like it truly means something mm-hmm. to them. Where you know it truly means something to you, and you also know that like millions upon other millions of people and also truly like you're just part of this club that's a pretty big club you're just gonna run into a lot of people in the club right like i used to get that like it was cool being the west coast scout for the eagles you do run into like i'd be parking my car like an oregon hotel and the dude checking you out and i'd have an eagles polo on he's like bro you an eagles fan and i just always lie like yeah i am it's easier but you just would run into a lot of people you know, it's just one of the. It's no different being a Giants fan. If you wear a Giants hat in like Philly, you will run into some people. Like right. there's there are certain amount of teams that just kind of carry. Raiders, Raiders, national brand. We're everywhere. All right, here we go. Hoops time. Get the pot out. Peace. Later. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.